Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to today's edition of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show podcast. Welcome in, everybody. Tuesday edition of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show. We've got stories lined up. We are locked and stocked and ready to rock here. Uh, Hunter Biden, you know that's always going to be good, right? You never get a boring Hunter Biden story. You got to give the guy credit for that, at least. It's, it's, and there's usually video. There's usually photo to go along with it. It's like a news editor's dream. But uh, Hunter Biden, we may find out still that the document scandal involving his dad, now the president, uh, might have something to do with Hunter's shenanigans abroad. The story today, though, is is definitely Hunter Biden specific. There are apparently texts showing that Hunter threatened to withhold money from a 29-year-old female legal assistant unless she FaceTimed him in the nude. So you would think that the left and the feminists and the Democrats... I'm sorry, was that wrong? Remember the Seinfeld episode when George got caught having sex with the cleaning lady and he said... He went in for his interview, and he was just like, I'm sorry, was that wrong? I mean, I'm sorry. I didn't even know. I hadn't seen this story yet. That's a tough one to defend yourself on, right? Uh, That's a tough one. That is that is a tough one. Uh, So we will spend some time making, well, doing what we can to make sense of of Hunter Biden stuff. Also, an MSNBC uh, host talks about her bout with myocarditis. She's young. She's healthy. She suddenly had quite a health scare with inflammation of her heart, and I believe she is uh, somebody that has been vaccinated several times over. Is there is there a connection? Is there anything to talk about there? We'll talk about it. Uh, George Santos has stepped down from some committee assignments, but he is still a member of Congress, something that we can uh, certainly discuss and and will i don't view the santos story the lot the lies he's told are the most interesting part of the story to be sure the rest of it i think uh is is somewhat forgettable uh democrats lie all the time and they don't have people who lose their jobs over it. in fact they usually get a promotion like elizabeth warren 
the fake Cherokee. Uh, but, Clay, I want to start with this one. Getting into the world of, of, uh, of sport for a moment here. Because one, one of the ways that you can see uh, Democrats for who they really are, especially the more they talk about social justice and racial justice, uh, there seems to be a correlation with the moment that they have an opportunity, let's say, to separate themselves from those who are low income, to make sure that there's no low income housing on their block or in their neighborhood, because, you know, property values and schools and stuff. The hypocrisy is laid bare for all to see. Uh, an example of this recently is is uh, Nantucket, which is one of the fan- the sister island of Martha's Vineyard. You know, there is a huge movement there. It's an almost entirely Democrat on Democrat enclave now of some of the richest people in the world and it, some of the most expensive real estate in the world. They don't want any affordable housing at all on the island. Even though there are, you know, workers, servers at restaurants, gas station attendants, you know, people that need affordable housing. Steph Curry is one of the richest athletes on the planet. I didn't even realize he was the fifth, fifth highest paid athlete in the world last year. And the story today, Clay, is that Steph Curry and his, uh, and his wife are asking the Bay Area government. They're right next to Palo Alto, which again, some of the most expensive real estate in the world. They're in uh, Atherton, California. They're trying to stop low-income housing from going up in their neighborhood. And I just can't I can't imagine, Clay, because doesn't social justice mean that you should want to welcome the low-income residents who are doing the hard jobs and and trying to elevate themselves on the socioeconomic ladder? Shouldn't a social justice advocate with hundreds of millions of dollars to spare like Steph Curry, want to have low-income individuals in his neighborhood so so that, you know, he can spend time with them and and they can all work together to elevate the community. Yeah, there's some details in here that I think are great, Buck. First of all, they live in Atherton, Colorado. I'm sorry, Atherton, California, which is ranked as the most expensive zip code in the United States a year ago, uh, according to Forbes. Land is worth about $8 million per acre, according to a councilman in Atherton. And what's going on here is they have opted to upzone a one-and-a-half-acre lot with the property owner planning to develop 16 three-story townhomes. Uh, and the idea of the townhomes, obviously, is to be more affordable in the most expensive residence in uh, the zip code in the entire country. And Steph Curry and his wife wrote a letter to the town voicing concerns. I'm reading from OutKick. We did a good job uh, covering this. Mark Harris, one of our writers at OutKick, did. I, and sent, they sent it to me this morning. Uh, they said, we hesitate to add to the not-in-our-backyard, literally, rhetoric, but we wanted to send a note before today's meeting. Safety and privacy for us and our kids continues to be our top priority and one of the biggest reasons we chose Atherton. Uh, they said that if the project's to move forward, they don't want it in literally their backyard. So it, it is amazing how often this happens. Uh, $30 million house, uh, reportedly, that Steph Curry owns in the most expensive town in America. And he and his wife have written a letter, not only voicing 
their displeasure maybe privately about this uh, rezoning. They have written a letter to the board to try to prevent townhomes from being built in the vicinity of their home. You know what I think has started to run its course as one of the go-to left-wing explanations for why all of a sudden the rules that they advocate for, you know, what the Democrats want for the rest of us, don't apply the, it's about my safety. You know, we know that they abuse the notion of emotional safety to shut down speech, right? Democrats will say, your words make me feel unsafe. But now, uh, for example, remember the uh, the mayor of New Orleans just, uh, just a few months back, uh, Latoya Cantrell, she was flying first class as the mayor all over the place. And people started to say, really, you need to have the city paying for you to fly first class all the time? And she didn't, she didn't even say, look, it's a perk of the job. Or she said, it's for my safety because she claimed a, uh, for, for a black woman to fly with her profile, it's inherently a safety, a personal safety issue. And by the way, as if flying first class makes you safer than <laughs> flying in coach, it makes your knees and maybe your back a little safer from the extra comfort. But I don't think it is a safe. You know, it's not like they've got armed guards in first class on the plane in the back of the in plane. In fact, everyone roll. walks past you in first class. If you're really yes. concerned about your safety, you should want to sit in the very back row of the airplane because people can't get to you as easily right if you want to be incognito fly in you know seat 37j right next to the toilets nobody will have any idea who's back there also the mayor of new orleans we have the biggest radio show in the country what percentage of our audience would know the mayor of new orleans if she were right now listening to this show sitting next to anybody uh in this entire audience one not even one not even I bet I bet the majority of New Orleans residents, even in the city of which she is the mayor, would not recognize her in the city of New Orleans. So the idea that she is in danger, this is always kind of ludicrous. I mean, look, uh, it's crazy. We can we can even take it to Steph Curry again for a second here. Yeah, because Steph Curry is, as we said, the fifth highest paid athlete in the world. I mean, this guy is Clay. What's he probably making? Twenty, thirty mil a year at least. I bet. I bet oh, well over. Uh, I mean, because the NBA salaries now, he's probably making thirty-five million minimum in salary, and I bet he's making another twenty-five or thirty in endorsement income. So fifty, so, sixty million easy. This is a guy who, for his family, can afford round-the-clock, year-round security without without it even. It's a rounding error. It could he care, wouldn't even it doesn't notice matter. the cost. He could hire the best security service he could possibly imagine. Uh, the best security system installed for his home owns multiple homes, but even but see we're even uh, by assessing that component of the oh it's about our safety and the safety of my family. I'm sorry, people who can only afford two hundred and fifty thousand dollars for you know a one bedroom in the townhouse that might be built are they dangerous, Steph? I, I just want to know are these the dangerous people? Or are they the undesirables in your super fancy neighborhood? This is where the libs always get exposed, Clay. It happens in New York with real estate, with schools. It's always, oh, what do you mean you don't want to rezone all of other people's suburbs so that there's multifamily housing and projects going up and whatever? Oh, you don't want to do that? Wait, but who does want to do that? And, and Buck, this is for anybody who's listening to us right now in the Bay Area at all. 
This is probably the single biggest issue in the Bay Area. And I know there's a lot. They don't enforce crime uh, laws. You know, they got all sorts of drug and homelessness issues. But I would argue if you talk to people in the Bay Area, if you have a family and you work as a cop, if you work as a school teacher, if you work as a fireman, there are almost no affordable places to live in many of these communities. And this Atherton place, I'm sure, is trying to build these townhomes so that in theory they at least have some people who work in public services in their community who could afford to live there. You know, this is my my older brother did a did a semester in business school out at Berkeley. So right there. And I remember talking to him, you know, all these my brother, we talk a lot. And this is going back now almost a decade about his time there and and it has been a problem all along that has only gotten worse exactly yes. what you're discussing, which is where do you live? Yep. If you have you know, if you when you see the property taxes, the cost of these homes, and people who say, "Oh, well, that's just the market," that is absolutely false. California makes it effectively impossible, right. from a developer standpoint, to build new homes. To you know, the way they do zoning, environmental impact, everything, they make it as difficult as possible. And really, what you see is a class system in in geography whereby the rich libs who love nancy pelosi and and gavin newsom live as close to the water places like atherton by the way on the bay close to the water as possible and their servant class the people that you know keep the plumbing going you know uh you know pick the food uh you know do all the service jobs that landscaping exist. they're teaching everything. of the kids i mean literally everything they live you know, in the interior of California, far away, because that's the only place where they can actually afford to live. So you have in California a system that looks more and more like what you had in some Latin American countries. I was going to say Venezuela, but they've actually just made everybody poor now because their socialism finally collapsed the whole system. But you have this separation of extremely Brazil is a good example, extremely rich and and everyone else is is poor and in the servant class. And, you know, you, you see this once again. Clay, you, you mentioned uh, how big a problem it is. There are people who work for Google, yes. young people, who choose, there have been whole articles written about this, choose to live in their van and shower and eat the food, etc., that they have at their job. Arguing that his kids are not going to be safe because there's some poors who might live in the neighborhood. That's, that and, that and is the, the way, argument. Poor is not really poor, right? Because if you're, even the poor people in Atherton are going to be upper middle class, right? It's not like they're going to build 16 townhomes that cost $80,000 each, right, Correct. for people to be able to buy. It's going to be people who have normal lifestyles right. and are working in these communities. So Steph Curry is such a social justice advocate that he thinks that people who can only afford a two or $300,000 home are, are scary and might hurt him yes. and his family. That 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 is the implication of his position on this, but you see, it's such a stupid argument. We all know he actually just wants to be surrounded by rich people and his property values to stay high. That's, That's right. actually what it is. He doesn't really hold those people in contempt. That's just the way the argument plays out because he doesn't want to admit that this is really just about I get to live in a rich neighborhood surrounded with rich people, right? That's really what's at the heart of this. And find me a rich liberal, and you will find somebody who does not want, you know, multifamily zoned right on their property line or near it or in their neighborhood or in their zip code, who does not want a lot of illegal immigrants to be all of a sudden showing up, living in their neighborhood, using their schools, using their across the board. This is where this is their Achilles heel. This is the weakness that they all have. 
It's very true. I got a little fired up there for a second, Clay. So, you know, that's what ends up happening. And and I think it's important for all of us to understand exactly what's going on with our online security as well. That's a very important thing. Most of us now live with an online existence that is not secure. You got to understand you're buying airline tickets. You're registering for school online, socializing with others online. As convenient as that has become, it comes with a price. And that's the fear of suffering online identity theft which is kind of like having your wallet stolen, but through digital means, so you won't even know it's missing. You only find out when all those charges are racked up, and by then it's it's too late. Best way to protect your online identity is with LifeLock. They're head and shoulders above any other company when it comes to protecting your presence online. LifeLock systems monitor billions of transactions every week looking for evidence of foul play. When your name is involved, they're in touch with you to notify you. And if it needs fixing, they have a team of restoration specialists all based here in the U.S. I've worked with them before, by the way, and man, they made some headaches go away. No one can prevent all identity theft or monitor all transactions at all businesses, but it is easy to help protect yourself with LifeLock. You just got to have this if you're going to be doing stuff online. Join now and save up to 25% off your first year with promo code BUCK. Call 1-800-LIFELOCK or head to lifelock.com and use my name, Buck, that's B-U-C-K, for 25% off. Speaking truth and having fun. Clay Travis and Buck Sexton. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough, that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go like, how do I detach from my, this idea of what, is that, is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know, oh, okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's Reality Podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. it, it would have been, Ooh, a, been the podcast juicy. would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast.
Welcome back in, Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show. During the commercial break, my second grader came upstairs uh, to check in with me. He's playing Madden downstairs. Buck, we have got, I know in the South, the standard for shutting down schools for cold weather, ice, snow, whatnot, is not particularly high. We may have set now an all-time low in terms of school is shut down. We haven't had a single snow day. I don't think it snowed in New York City, really. I was reading about this, like in the fewest amount of snow in 50 years. Also hasn't happened in Philadelphia. So they thought we might get a little bit of ice. They shut down all the schools. It's like 36 and rainy. There's nothing at all. So even for Nashville area, this is, uh, this is low. But I want to mention, if anybody here screaming in the background, my kids are probably fine but they are probably playing Madden downstairs, their favorite video game, the football game, and the amount of uh, the amount of craziness that can ensue from Madden football games with the Travis boys in this household is is will terrify you. So I just I don't think you'll hear them screaming. I have a home studio here downstairs, um, but uh, just a heads up in the event that would be what's going on because we have yeah, a no I, I was snow, amazed. snow day. I was amazed when I when I found out. Uh, I shouldn't say amazed, but I, I I noted when I when I saw that a lot of NFL players actually play Madden, you know, oh because, yeah, because it's that it, it is game the play calling everything's that advanced. And then you can imagine later on in life, Clay, when I was in Iraq and Afghanistan in the uh, you know mental wealth and recreation center, basically like the the rec room on some of these military bases, to see Navy SEALs. Actually playing Call of Duty as Navy yeah. SEALs was quite a thing, which, you know, which I saw frequently. It's interesting. They teach a lot of college football players and college athletes in general sometimes game plans by giving them Madden and the college football version that they'll upload with their own playbook, which is a cool idea. Uh, home sweet home. It's an old phase, but, man, I got to tell you, I was out in Vegas. And when I got back late Saturday night, hopped into bed, I was like, man, this is absolutely phenomenal to be back under my Giza Dream Sheets. Partly because they're so comfortable, but man, also because you wonder how they are just so comfortable. Also so affordable. Better than the sheets in many different high-end hotels. They're under $30. And one reason they're so well-priced is you're buying them directly from my pillow. No middleman, no retailer involved. So your savings are being passed along to you. The Giza Dream Sheets, what they're called. You can find them at MyPillow.com. You can get hooked up right now. If you go to MyPillow.com, click on the radio listener specials to check out the flash sale on the Giza Dream Sheets. Remember to use code Clay and Buck. There's a phone number to 800-792-3269. Clay Travis and Buck Sexton on the front lines of truth. Welcome back to Clay and Buck. You know, they're... Is only one Republican who has officially announced that he is running for president so far. But we're already catching a little back and forth between some Republicans, and Clay is going to dive into that. Yes, yes, Trump and DeSantis. Clay will talk about that at the top of the next hour. Wanted to uh, just get you ready for that because it's going to be it's going to be a heavyweight fight. It's going to be as Clay taught me on the show a Donnybrook in reference to the. What was it? The uh, medieval Celtic festival, I believe, where there was a lot of drinking and I, I can't believe you never heard the phrase Donnybrook before. Maybe it's just having read so many sports articles yes. where people are trying to think up new ways to describe people who are competing. But yeah, I love the word Donnybrook. Yeah, and and now we know the derivation of it, which is always always a fun one. 
Uh, but so we'll get to that and, and where that stands. Look, we've said it all along, you know, primaries, primaries are a fight within, uh, within the family, you know, when the primary is settled, then it turns into a fight against Sauron and the forces of evil. But, you know, in the meantime, we're going to have a little bit of an in-house, a little bit of an in-house throwdown on the, among the Republicans, it looks like. Pro- probably. Probably. So we'll get to that. Now, Eric Adams in New York. Switching gears here for a second. We, we told you this yesterday. This story has gotten a lot of attention because it, it, it is, it is pretty galling. It, it's, it's pretty remarkable that you have people who are at U.S. taxpayer expense. Uh, they are staying in a four star hotel in Midtown Manhattan, actually very close to our New York City, our New York City studio. Stones throw away. And Eric Adams is out there, the mayor of New York, who has already said that that the city cannot afford this. El Paso, Texas, apparently can. But 40,000 migrants in the 8.5 million person city of New York, that's too much of a strain on the budget. A hundred, you know, Clay, a hundred thousand New Yorkers went through the shelter system last year. And they're going to spend on the 40,000 migrants more, I believe, than they have spent actually on housing New Yorkers who are housing insecure, who are homeless for a period of time in New York City. Eric Adams, though, is boasting uh, about how there are a lot of healthy food and snacks being provided to these illegals. Play three. I just had to come here when I started hearing all the rumors about it was too cold. Uh, (laughs) My brother got on shorts. He's inside. (laughs) It's warm inside. Uh, about uh, the food not being there, uh, you know, healthy food is presence. Even the snacks are healthy. We just need to stop the anxiety. When I spoke to the men who are here, they shared the same energy. We want to come in. We want to work. We want to pursue the American dream. We're thankful to the people of New York City. But are they thankful, Clay? When New York City didn't even say you, we're not going to house you anymore. Which I also thought, aren't they all meeting with family members and going to do the jobs Americans won't do? And this is what we're always told about illegals specifically, because we don't know any, we don't know what their skill set is. We don't know if they can speak English. We don't know any, we don't know who they are, actually. We don't even know if they've proven who they claim to be. But they weren't even said, they weren't even told to leave. They were just told, we have another facility that is better able to handle this number of people and probably doesn't cost $350 a night per person. And they're protesting outside saying, no. We like it here. That doesn't look like gratitude. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you what it looks like. I mean, I guess they've learned the American victim culture pretty quick, right? Uh, you come from a foreign country, get put up in a four-star hotel, get asked to leave, and you decide to protest and claim that you're a victim, and all of these different media outlets show up to cover the situation such that the mayor has to show up and see what kind of food you're getting. I, I just think conversations on illegal immigration are so broken in the way that we have them. And what I would ask everybody out there to do, we talked about this yesterday, but I think it's so important. Strip away all of your preconceived notions. If you lived in a third world country, as many people do who are trying to come to this country, and you made the trek all the way to Texas, and you crossed the border, and you made your asylum claim, and they put you, gave you food, water, shelter, put you on a bus, drove you to New York City, and put you up in a four-star hotel. Wouldn't you brag to every single person left behind in your third-world country 
about how amazing your life was. And when you bragged, because these guys all have phones, when you bragged and told that story to everyone in the third world country, would it, if you were left behind in third world country living in some hovel and your friend or family member called you and said, I'm in an incredible hotel in Times Square right now. You're living in that hovel back in that where you are. This is how amazing America is. Wouldn't you also decide to make the same trip to the border? My point is, if I'm asking all of you to just think through this, every single thing that the Democrats are doing when illegal immigrants arrive in this country is incentivizing millions more to come. And they know it. And, Buck, yesterday you were saying over 5 million illegal immigrants have arrived since Joe Biden became president. And we talked about the population and how that's basically the same number of people who live in Alabama or South Carolina, to put it in perspective. If you've ever driven through either one of those states, that's two years of the Biden administration. Two more years, 10 million. This is unsustainable and unacceptable, and yet almost no one will even have a conversation about it right now. I think it's also worth noting that while the mayor of New York City is telling has said we've played the, we've played those clips on the show so you've all heard it he says we can't afford this meaning financially yes. and never mind the rule of law and you know assimilation burden and and all of that right we can't afford this and then he turns around and basically says because this is Im- immigration reform to a democrat always means the same thing amnesty always here he is saying Oh, it's too expensive for us to handle all of these within the New York City, all these immigrants within the New York City budget, these illegals. So let's just make everybody in the country who's illegal the federal government's problem by giving them amnesty. Play two. We have to go to the source. The source is real comprehensive immigration reform. The Republicans have been hiding, holding on and blocking it for too many years. We must get this resolved. But there's a crisis right now, and that crisis should be coordinated by the national government. We need to expedite the right to work because it's just unfair to cities like El Paso, New York, Chicago, Washington, for us to pick up this this burden. And then we need one individual who solely is playing the role of a decompression strategy uh, so that the end of the road can't be New York City and other big cities. I mean, two things, Clay. The reason that there are issues about them working is they're not supposed to be in the country in the first place. We have all these laws that get ignored, 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 ignored. That's one part. The other part is I think Eric Adams clearly stepping into the uh, the light here as a Democrat national figure. And I, yes. I think I do think he's got presidential aspirations. Well, I just would ask, how does this ever end? How does this ever end unless we basically take over all of Latin America and decide to start making those places United States? Because short of that, and that's obviously hyperbole ridiculous, but short of that, why are people ever going to stop coming here? And that's the question that no Democrat can answer, which is why the only place it leads you to is they want them to keep coming to ensure that they remain in political power forever. Yeah. I mean, whenever you talk to anyone who understands the border and has worked in Border Patrol or ICE, the word they use, Clay, and this is what they say to me whenever I speak to them, and I've got some that I text and call on my phone just to get updates as to what's going on, they say incentive. Yeah. You know, it's so true. Like you're, you're, You're an entrepreneur. You build a successful business, OutKick. 
You got to understand people's incentives if you yes. want to know what they're going to do, right? We, we all know this. If you don't deal with the incentive of coming into the country, gaming the system, they're effectively lying. Not that anybody seems to care, but they're not asylum seekers. And if they are asylum seekers, then anyone on the planet counts as an asylum seeker who wants to be here. And as long as they get to stay in the country, this continues because the yeah. incentive is you will get to stay. And that's where we are. And that does not change under this Democrat administration. My friends, every day in hospitals around this nation, the miracle of birth happens. Maternity wards are the most joyous sections of any hospital. And for good reason. The miracle of life is a gift that basically every baby deserves because life is precious. That's why I'm working with preborn pregnancy clinics nationwide to help rescue tens of thousands of unborn babies. Preborn introduces babies to their mothers through ultrasound. These are moms making difficult decisions. After hearing the heartbeat and seeing her beautiful baby, a mom is twice as likely to choose life. Through love, compassion, and free ultrasounds, Preborn has rescued over 200,000 babies, and every day their clinics save 150 babies' lives. Consider donating to this nonprofit organization. Each of those ultrasound experiences costs just $28, the cost of a dinner, or you can sponsor five ultrasounds. Think about that. You could bring, help bring five babies into this world. It only costs $140. Any amount will help, though, whatever you can spare. I know times are tough right now and people are strapped for, for money to pay their bills. But remember, all of these gifts that you can give are tax deductible. 100% tax deductible. 100% of your donation will go to saving babies' lives. So please, donate securely today. Use your cell phone, dial pound 250, and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250. Dial pound 250 from your phone. Say baby. Or go to preborn.com slash buck. That's preborn.com slash B-U-C-K. Sponsored by Preborn. Sunday Hang with Clay and Buck. A new podcast. Find it on the iHeart app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go like, how do I detach from my, from this idea of what, do, is, that, is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know, oh, okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. 
Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's Reality Podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring bit. out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. it, it would have been, Ooh, a, been the podcast juicy. would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Welcome back in. Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show. Probably not a surprise that our good friends at The View tried to talk about Tyree Nichols yesterday, Buck. And it didn't go very well. I'm going to play a cut for you there in a moment. But I will say... I think the Tyree Nichols story is almost completely over. And I just want to emphasize again for people who watch those videos, and I think you would agree, Buck, the George Floyd video was nowhere near as bad in terms of police misconduct as the Tyree Nichols video. Now, obviously, we saw months of rioting, BLM, protests, all as a result of the George Floyd video. Police were called on George Floyd for counterfeit uh, counterfeit bills being passed in a store. And George Floyd was clearly on drugs and did not accept the directions, did not comply with the directions of police. And that was in May of 2020, and we spent months dealing with the fallout of the George Floyd charges the police officers in Minneapolis were immediately charged. And yet, when I watched the Tyree Nichols video, I thought it was infinitely worse because there's no justification that's been given at all, at all for Tyree Nichols being pulled over in the first place. That was a gangland-style beating yeah. where they held him up and were literally throwing punches. And the story's going to be over basically by this week no one will hardly talk about it at all i think it is worth noting and and i think some of our uh one of our callers yesterday made mention of this who was law enforcement it wasn't that they abused law enforcement procedure so much as they went entirely outside of law enforcement procedure to act like gang members who were uh, you know, beating somebody, and in this case, beating somebody to death, right? There is never a, there's no place in the police academy where they say, three of you hold this guy standing up and one of you come running over and punch him in the face as hard as you can as many times again. There, there's no training where you say, hold this guy on the ground with his arms behind his back and kick him in the face. So That's right. what I mean is it, it's not, you know, this isn't, uh, sometimes an excessive use of force uh, situation would be police officer drew the weapon, fire the weapon. Is that, was it a legitimate use of force or not? There's a question. This is this is completely outside of the training and procedure. It's gang-style beatdown to death, effectively, is what happened. Indefensible in all accounts. You mentioned yesterday another shooting. We should mention and continue to mention that, look, most police shootings are justified. There are over 700,000 police. But if you want to go into the numbers of who is shot and killed by police... 75% of people shot and killed by police are white, Asian, or Hispanic. The View is a show for idiots, I think primarily filled by idiots as well. But Whoopi Goldberg yesterday, Buck, said 
basically white people need to get beaten up by police or nobody cares. That's somehow the racial angle that she took from five black police officers beating up Tyree Nichols. Listen. When will the brutality finally lead to some police reform from the ground up? Because clearly it doesn't matter if it's a white policeman or a black policeman. It is a problem in the police and the policing itself. You know, seems things don't seem to make sense to people unless it's somebody they can feel or they can recognize. But how many times do we have to, do we need to see white people also get beaten before anybody will do anything? I'm not suggesting that. So don't write us and tell me what a, you know, what a racist I am. I mean, most people who are killed by cops are white, as we've discussed on the show. Yes. And, and people who end up getting, you know, uh, uh, beaten up by cops, a majority of them. Are white. I mean, when I say beaten up, I mean use of force with a baton yes. or, or whatever the case may be. You know, face planted on the sidewalk with uh, arms, uh, you know, hand, hands cuffed behind one's back. So that happens all the time. But you see, this is unfortunately where the left gets the narratives from, which is just completely uh, divorced from fact and data. They just there's this emotional sense of oh well, if only these were what if only this was a a white individual who was beaten to death by cops. You would have national outcry, the president speaking about it, the threat of major riots across the... Because that all just happened. Five yeah. officers indicted for murder. I, I, you know What What else is supposed to happen? That's the other part of this. If, if they're holding this to a, it would be different standard if the victim was white, in what way? In fact, the reality of America today is that when there is a black man who is the subject of uh, police brutality... It is a much bigger story. Yeah. That is actually what we all know and see. So they live in, it's like opposite day over at The View. They're living in an opposite reality from the one that Americans actually see. And the data is there. That's what's so frustrating about this to me. When the women on The View spout off their ridiculous, ill-informed, unintelligent opinions, it's one thing for random person out there who's got a job and is busy and isn't really spending time and doesn't exist in the opinion space for a living. But, Buck, they have huge staffs. This data is readily accessible. Again, Whoopi Goldberg, 75% of people shot and killed by police are white, Asian, or Hispanic. 75%, three out of four. So it's happening on a regular basis. And can I also point out that 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 statistic, I mean, when you look at the criminal justice statistics of new york city for example i mean 90 percent of of those incarcerated at rikers island prison are black or hispanic so when you start to look at the numbers for and i know nationwide we have a different there's different demographic profile for who comprises the country but the study out of harvard showed that you're actually more likely to be shot as a white individual by police doing things that if a black individual were to do them by the numbers, they're less likely to actually meet lethal force from law enforcement. The data is very clear on these issues, or at least has been presented as very clear on these issues. They don't care about data at the view, though. Yeah, the other point on that, Buck, is over half of all murders are committed by black men. Black men represent 6% of the population. So the data on violence is pretty clear, too. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. 
With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast.